Hey, Crime Salad listeners, and welcome back to another episode of Crime Salad, where we give you true crime stories every week. I'm your host, Ashley. And I'm Ricky. And this week's episode is a bit different from what we usually do, but we felt it was an interesting one to cover. Her story was recreated in movies that you may have seen or heard of. This is a story of Annalise McHale. A young girl living a life like most children do. However, she was growing up in an extremely strict Catholic home, and her mom was in full control of really everything she did and everything her siblings did. And her dad was more of a laid-back type. As she was getting older in her teens, something completely unexplainable happens where she's talking in demonic voices, deep growls and screams, and her family believes she is possessed by demons, and so they seek professional help. She was born in Klingenberg, Germany on September 21st, 1952, and was named after her mother, whose name was Anna Mikkel, and also she was loved by her father, Joseph Mikkel. And like we said, she was growing up in a very strict Catholic home. They attended church multiple times a week, along with her three sisters named Barbara, Gertrude and Roswitha. Her and her sisters were taught to atone for their sins. Now this was taken to an extreme level where it was known that Annalise would sleep on the floor to atone for the sins of drug addicts that would sleep on the ground at the train station. In 1968, Annalise was now 16 and while she was in school, she had an episode where she passed out and woke up very disoriented. It was strange because This was really the first time anything like this has happened before. But while this happened at school, she didn't think much of it. She kind of like laughed it off. But later that night, she was feeling pressure on her body, like something was pinning her down on her chest. And she was aware of what was happening, but had no clue exactly why or what this was. 11 months after this, in 1969, Annalise was now 17 and she was experiencing the same type of thing twice in the same year and she was worried and wanted to get checked out and her mom was worried as well and took her to the family doctor. The doctor's name was Dr. Vaught and he met with a neurologist, Dr. Luthi, where he ran an EEG test. An EEG test tracks and records brainwave patterns but all the tests came back normal. It was believed that she was having signs of a seizure. The next year was 1970. She had a seizure on three different occasions. So doctors prescribed her an anti-convulsant medication. And then fast forward to 1972, the same episode was happening again on four different occasions. So doctors prescribed her Dilantin, which is an anti-seizure medication. And at this time, another EEG test was performed and the results came back normal with mild irregular patterns, but still not giving the reasons for the symptoms Annalise was having. Now the seizures that she was having were few and far between throughout the years. 
However, she was diagnosed with temporal lobe epilepsy. And what's interesting is the temporal lobe affects sensory perception, memory, and emotion, which is the same area that is affected by seizures. And some patients that experience these seizures claim to have hallucinatory experiences. In 1973, Annalise fell into a deep depression and she was thinking about taking her own life. Things were really tough for her. She was starting to have hallucinations of the devil when she was praying and hearing the devil speak to her saying rotten hell and, and other disturbing things, which this was very alarming and very frightening for her. And during the same year, she started college at the University of Würzburg. And it was around this time that she first asked for an exorcism and possessed by the devil. It's believed that she started to see things like devils dancing around. But the local priest declined her request twice, saying that the bishop needed to approve all exorcisms before they're performed. Things were getting much worse with Annalise's behavior. She was becoming very worried and her family was too. And at this point, they were getting more and more worried because Annalise was praying obsessively and she was doing over 600 genuflections a day. A genuflection is where you bend to the ground on one knee to pray. And a double genuflection is where you get on both knees. But when Annalise would do these, she would slam her knees into the ground and pop back up and slam herself onto the ground again. She was doing this obsessively over and over all day long. And this created a type of wear and tear on her ligaments. She caused the ligaments in both of her knees to rupture. And it was almost like she was losing control of herself at this point ripping off her clothes and just doing really disturbing things like eating spiders and coal. She even bit off the head of a bird and for two days she got under a table and barked like a dog. She then urinated on the floor and licked it up with her tongue. She would scream for hours on end just screaming over and over and over. Now obviously we don't often hear about exorcisms being performed in the news today but there's actually a growing request for them today. But this was pretty unusual for the 1970s. There were only about a handful of priests who would actually perform an exorcism, and if they did perform them, it was usually done in secret, which is exactly how Annalise's was. And probably another reason we didn't hear about them much in the news, especially in Germany. In 1975, Annalise was asking for an exorcism. But before an exorcism can be done, it needs to be approved by a bishop. So first she was seen by multiple priests, and they all believed that she was most definitely possessed by demons. She had a darkness to her and would avoid looking at any religious imagery. It would not drink or touch or even go near any holy water. A priest named Adolf Rodwick, he was a satanic specialist of sorts, and he never actually met Annalise but specialized in this kind of thing. And he believed that she was possessed by demons and that the seizures she was having was a clear sign of this. And it was something he believed could not be helped by medication. So an exorcism was really the only treatment that he recommended. And Annalise's parents agreed completely and they committed to only relying on religion and faith trusting their religious beliefs and the priest who convinced them that their daughter was possessed by demons. The exorcisms were performed in accordance with the Roman ritual. 
This was basically a priest's service manual that contained the only formal exorcism rite sanctioned by an established church. It was first written by Pope Paul V in 1614, and something that I found interesting is the book makes a point to caution the priests to only use an exorcism on those who are actually possessed, and not just the mentally ill. So when the exorcism started, the first one was performed by Pastor Alt and Father Renz. The first one was on the 24th of September in 1975. They held one or two sessions a week in total, and Annalise endured over 67 exorcisms over a 10-month period. It was a really long, dedicated process, and it was exhausting for everyone involved, and I could only imagine that it got really disturbing at times. They recorded some of the rituals, and the audio recording is available online. However, it's in German, but we did come across a few that had English subtitles. And honestly, they're pretty hard to get through. And what she went through is extremely awful. And I think with just all the pop culture references that we often see in movies and television, you know, it's pretty easy to make light of the matter. But listening to these recordings really opens your eyes to the condition that Annalise was in. And it really does make you question if she was actually possessed. And what's worse is if she wasn't actually possessed, this really shows just the extreme mental illness that she was suffering from. Like, she was in an awful state of mind, if that's the case. So in total, there were about 43 recordings, making up for about 42 hours in recorded footage. And in the tapes, between the talking, Annalise would growl, make these deep throat gargle noises, swear, scream, and just kind of go nuts. It's terrifying to listen to. And you can kind of just hear everyone kind of focusing in on Annalise. And she had to be restrained in order to comply. She would display an insane amount of strength in resisting the exorcisms too. She would violently just launch herself up against the walls and onto the floor. It was kind of nuts and not human-like. Photos from the sessions show Annalise with big black eyes being held in a headlock with hands on both sides of her head. Her mother is even shown restraining her in some of the photos. And at almost all times in all the pictures that we see, Annalise is either tied up or chained down. After seeing these pictures, it's really hard not to notice how different she looks compared to the pictures that were taken when she was healthy. And you can see these on our website. And during the exorcisms, Annalise is voicing the demons that are inside of her. She was said to be possessed by six different demons. Cain, Nero, Lucifer, Judas, Hitler, and Fleshman. We're going to take a quick break here to tell you about BetterHelp. BetterHelp is an online service that I personally use for my mental health. They provide a number of professional licensed counselors who specialize in all situations that may be interfering with your happiness. It's seriously my personal outlet to get my mind right. It's affordable. It's so convenient. I decided to give BetterHelp a shot when I was going through a very anxious part of my life. So I just signed up and I was matched with an amazing counselor who was so willing to talk with me right away. We actually set up a video chat later in the week to catch up. We are all so busy. Give yourself the care that you need today. Start living a happier life. 
As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash crime salad. Join over 800,000 people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash crime salad. And something that I thought was interesting is that during the conversations between the priests and Annalise, well, the demons that were in Annalise, the conversation often didn't make a lot of sense. It was kind of just partial sentences that would taper off, and they didn't really go anywhere. And it kind of felt that the priests were always just leading the conversation and would try to coach an answer out of her. And for instance, they would talk about her fear of religious artifacts, and Annalise would demand the priest to stop talking. And then she would just start cursing when they begin to cast the demons out of her. And they just kept bringing up, you know, religious figures, and then she would say bad things about the church and their wrongdoings. It was all pretty repetitive, and as the priests keep making demands and lead the conversation, she would say more. And then she'd say there is no more, and they'd kind of just coach something else out of her. And I know some people have different views on all of this, and I'm not really taking sides here, but to me, it just kind of felt like a police interrogation where the detectives kind of fish for a confession, kind of like in the making a murderer case where they kind of pulled the confession out of him, saying, like, how did you kill him? And kind of, you know, hinting towards the answer that they wanted to hear. And another thing that I found interesting is Father Wren said in a later interview that Annalise would speak in other languages, some of which were languages that he didn't even understand. And maybe this was just gibberish. But he also said that he would try to talk to the demons in other languages, like Chinese, something that he learned on a mission trip in his youth. But even though the demons were able to understand him most of the time, the demons just would rather speak in German. So this is kind of weird to me because if you remember, Annalise excelled at languages in school. Even though I'm not sure what languages she actually spoke, this kind of makes sense. And towards her death, Annalise stopped eating and drinking completely. And she often talked about her death as a way to atone for her sins. And at this point, she was having more and more seizures, which she believed that the demons were just getting worse. But she was no longer taking her medication, so this could easily explain the uptick in seizures. So she stopped eating because she believed that the fasting would help her get rid of the demons that were inside of her. And she grew very weak and thin, even more so than she already was. And after all that Annalise went through, she had her final exorcism on June 30th. And even though she was so weak and thin, she was still persistent to do her genuflections, and her parents had to help her kneel down because her ligaments were completely ruptured at this point and she actually had some broken bones in her knees. Although her health was so bad and she was so weak, somehow she still had the strength to just launch herself across the room and into walls. At Annalise's final exorcism, her parents, sister, and her boyfriend were all present. Annalise died a few days later, on July 1st, 1976. She weighed only 68 pounds and was suffering from pneumonia. Being that she was refusing to eat or drink anything, she eventually died of dehydration, starvation, and cardiovascular collapse. And in some of these later photos, you can see that she had big black eyes and blood smeared all around her mouth, which most likely came from her broken teeth. 
and she was covered in bruises. Her body was then buried next to her sister, Martha, who was in the section of the cemetery that's designated to illegitimate children and people who died by suicide, kind of like the black sheep part of the cemetery. This section lies in the outermost edge of the cemetery and was often looked down on by the public. Annalise's mother said in an interview after her death that she still believed that the devil killed her daughter. She went on to say, I know we did the right thing because I saw the sign of Christ in her hands. She was bearing stigmata and it was a sign from God that we should exercise the demons. She died to save other lost souls, to atone for their sins. So we know that this exorcism done on Annalise was done secretly without the public's knowledge. And sadly, it wasn't until after her death that it became public and the district attorney began to investigate her death. And once this happened, the media began to pick up the story. Shortly after, Ernst Alt, Arnold Renz, and Annalise's parents were all arrested and charged with murder. The trial began on March of 1978 in front of three judges and four jurors. All four were charged with neglect homicide for failing to get medical help, and the bishop who approved the exorcism was initially charged as well, but his charges were dropped before the trial began. A defense motion was filed stating that the trial violated freedom of religion and his charges were dismissed. There was a prayer request before the trial started from Joseph McCall, but his request was denied. During the trial, the chief prosecutor recommended fines for the priest, but requested no punishment for Annalise's parents, stating that the loss of their daughter was punishment enough. There were 20 witnesses in total, and seven of them were doctors who were called to testify in the case. There were medical and psychiatric experts that testified that Annalise was not possessed, but was suffering from the effects of epilepsy and the psychological effects of her upbringing. And there was also a testimony saying that it should have been clear to the defendants that Annalise needed medical help. However, in their defense, the priest and Annalise's parents said that they were not aware of how far gone Annalisa was and was only doing what was best for her at the time. And the defense also commented that Annalisa's religious beliefs inspired her to turn down medical intervention. And it's interesting that the judge even made a statement saying how he believed that if Annalise would have gotten help just 10 days earlier, she would have likely survived, which echoed the medical testimony. On April 21st, 1978, they all were found guilty of neglect homicide. The court decided that it would have been evident that Annalise required medical help and they failed to get her the assistance she needed. Ernst Alt, Arnold Renz, and Annalise's parents were all sentenced to a six-month suspended sentence with three years probation. Now, we came across something that was a bit strange. Oddly, around two years after Annalise died, Anna and Joseph, her parents, had their daughter exhumed. Basically, they had her coffin dug up. They claimed that they did this to replace her cheap coffin with something better. However, there are reports that a nun had a vision that Annalise had not decomposed. So they dug up her grave and saw that her body did in fact show decomposition consistent with her time of death. 
And oddly enough, her parents weren't able to watch closely, but they were able to watch from their house as they were able to see the cemetery from one of their windows. Maybe this was an attempt for their parents to prove that if her body wasn't decomposed, then maybe she was possessed. But being that her body was decomposed, it kind of goes against their theory. Annalise's grave site is now a religious tourist spot with buses stopping to pay their respects constantly. She is now known as sort of an unofficial saint. The church has since updated their exorcism handbook in 1999, but they still maintain that possession is a real thing. However, priests that perform exorcisms must now have medical training. The movie The Exorcism of Emily Rose was made in 2005 and based on the Annalisa Mikkel exorcism. However, it takes place in America and not Germany. And of course, a movie like that is a little bit exaggerated. And as far as the people in the town where Annalise lived and died don't like to remember or don't like to talk about what actually happened, it is still a source of shame for them. As of today, it's practice to not jump to conclusions that there is a possible possession. Since there are so many cases of hysteria or other kinds of emotional disorder that may seem to be possession. And I feel like this is a good spot to bring attention to mental health awareness. What Annalise suffered through was absolutely horrific. And although her case was severe, it's more common than you think. Mental illness is a serious thing that sometimes is kept a secret or maybe it's embarrassing to some to even bring up. But that's why there are doctors to help with mental health. But for now, this concludes this week's episode. Be sure to check out pictures of this case on our website at crimesaladpodcast.com where you can see pictures of Annalise and audio recordings of her exorcism. But just be warned that they're pretty graphic. And also we'd like to credit our sources which will have a list up on our website. And don't forget, you're also invited to join us on our Crime Salad Facebook discussion group where you can post links to cases you think are interesting or share anything crime related and meet other true crime salad investigators just like yourself and feel free to invite a friend. And if you would like to help support Crime Salad, follow us on Himalaya and write us a five-star review on Apple Podcast or wherever you're listening to us now so other listeners can get their hands on Crime Salad. Remember to follow us on Instagram and be sure to tell a friend about Crime Salad. Thank you all so much for listening. See you next week. Crime Salad is a true crime podcast delivering a healthy portion of crime. Crime Salad is a weird salad production. Are you kidding me? That was perfect.